Asian Pop Nation on Sin 90.7. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Asian Pop Nation. You are tuning in tonight to our 26th of April show, aka our last show for the month of April, which kind of interesting considering we just started season two of our show last week and suddenly it's the end of April. Yeah, I don't know. Time is... Time is weird, but let's focus on the music first too, as we first played this track from Japanese artist Ray titled BPM, which features Corey Wong. I think one of our team members, Tracy, is quite into this fun little album overall, so do check it out. We also played Korean female artist Jane with her song titled Trying to Do What I Can Do. So, once again, welcome to our show tonight. We have an interesting selection of topics tonight, starting first with all things Coachella related. There's just been so much music performance content and heaps of Asian artists having their first appearances to the festival this year that we just wanted to highlight. We also are going to be talking about another festival, which is coming soon locally here in Melbourne. So get ready to mark your calendars for the South Asian Festival. And we also have a lot more topics ranging from Electric Chopsticks, the new Kingdom Hearts video game, and so much more. So come join myself, Leisha, and our team tonight of Senya, Tracy, and JP as we talk through all of these topics, but also give you all of the latest Asian music, starting with a track coming from a Vocaloid producer from his new EP called Wandering Around. We have Shi 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 with his song called Orange Point. You are listening to Asian Pop Nation here on Sin. This is Asian Pop Nation, right here on Sin. My name is Lisha, and you were just listening to songs coming from Vocaloid producer Shi 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 with his song called Orange Point. We also played a fun summary collaboration track from Thai artists Bill Kin and PP Crit and Four Ive called Hui Hu. And lastly, we played a new single from Korean artist BB titled Best Lover, which if you're into the whole 88 Rising company or brand overall, you may know that this track comes from the 88 Rising Head in the Clouds Forever compilation album. And this compilation album includes a whole bunch of tracks which were performed at their Coachella set. I would say this is a nice little segue to our conversation tonight, which we're just going to be going off about all things Coachella related. Even after we pre-recorded our segment talking about this festival, there's just more and more news popping up left, right, and center. So it's clear that this music festival is just the talk of the town right now. But if you don't know much about Coachella, or maybe you just want to hear some of the Asian artists we wanted to talk about that were performing this year, come join our little festival conversation right now. My god, guys, you know what time is it? It's festival season! Uh, Not for us, though, because we're entering autumn and here in APN in our virtual studio right now, we're all freezing. But in other parts of the world, like America, it's approaching scorching hot time. It's summer, which means festival season has arrived and one of the biggest festivals You've probably seen it around. It's been the talk of the town, especially since it's finally back after two years of not running. It's Coachella. We're at Arma Coachella. It's back. Woohoo. <laughs> and the festival took place over two weekends between April 15th to April 24th. And this pre-recorded segment, we're talking in between of those two dates. So as we're talking through stuff that's happened around in Coachella, we're mainly prioritizing the first weekend rather than the second weekend because we are not time travelers, unfortunately, in APN. So for the first weekend, and one of the main reasons why we're talking about Coachella for APN is 88 Rising's Head in the Clouds Forever performance set that took place on Coachella's main stage during the first weekend and it had heaps of global Asian artists. We'll go through the list and if you keep up with like Asian American artists, especially these names are all very familiar. We got Warren Hui, Millie, Bibi, Nikki, Rich Brian, Hikaru, Tada, Jackson Wang, and CL. CL's performance, which I think was like towards the very end of the set, got a lot of like buzz because, and oh my god, this is when I wish Celeste was also here because she would also equally freak out with me about this. 
but CL's performance had a massive surprise of a reunion of the iconic K-pop girl group 21. If you don't know, <gasps> CL, she used to be the leader of that group, and this group at the moment in like 2022 doesn't exist anymore. They disbanded, but. They had like a little reunion, and it marked as like their first time on stage in seven years. And they performed their really popular song "I Am the Best," and oh my god, I collapsed. But yeah, what what do you guys know about Coachella, or at least like Coachella this year? I don't actually know much about Coachella, to be honest. I only really like learned about it a few days. <laughs> And it wasn't because of us, because we talked about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was mostly because of you guys. Yeah, no, but I didn't know it was so big that like someone like Utada Hikaru would be there. Like that kind of blew my mind. And I watched her performance, and I was like, "Whoa, dude, Kingdom Hearts, bro!" Oh uh, yeah, because they yeah. performed "Simple and Clean," and I yeah, saw that like "Simple and Clean," and you just immediately see a bunch of clips of people being like, "Oh my god." It's simply yeah. my childhood before Coachella yeah. just immediately takes it down. <laughs> oh damn! Because <laughs> it's live stream content. No, mm, no. Because <laughs> I heard actually a lot of people say that Coachella this year feels a lot more lackluster than the past few years. I don't know if it has to do with like the whole pandemic thing prior or whatnot. Yeah. But for me, I was again mainly just raving because Twenty One reunion. Like what? I still cannot believe. That even happened. Like, if I pictured this to like non-K-pop listeners, it's just they disbanded, done deal. You like never hear about them ever again. Seven years later, and just out of nowhere, bam, they just show up. And it, oh my god, I am the best was a huge hit when like I was in primary school. Like it was like one of these songs that would first come to mind when you talk about K-pop. So there would be like Mr. Simple, by Super Junior, or maybe Sorry Sorry by Super Junior, um, Roly Poly by Tiara, and like I Am the Best by Twenty One. It introduced so many people to K-pop. Even if you don't know what it is, if you look up Twenty One I Am the Best and like watch the video, it will probably trigger some memories for you because I think everyone who was on the internet in that time has probably seen that video. They all have crazy like outfits and crazy hair, and yes. one of my favorite things. About this reunion is that Sandra Parks has one of the hairstyles from that yes, video. like um, a huge spike. Like yes, this. literally nature was healing when they pop on the stage, <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, Minzy has her short hair again, and like Park Bom, she's missing all the steps, which is what happens in every twenty one performance, and it's like, and Sandra Parks just got her hair, and I'm like, wow, this is. This is quintessential twenty one performance. This is the perfection that I miss so much. Yeah. yeah, it seems like so far, especially with K-pop, quite a few like second generation groups have kind of made their have made their comeback. Some- yeah, as in the Western understanding of the term comeback, comeback, K-pop yeah, understanding yeah. of the term comeback, which they just use for like every single release. Yeah, yeah, and it's just like <laughs> I just heard a lot of people being like, "Oh my god, what other groups will like reunite over again?" And I'm like. Oh, I have my list of my own groups that I would love to see on stage again, but um, hypothetically, it's probably going to be like a negative one chance that it will ever happen. <laughs> yeah, which is why this twenty one reunion is so special because like it hardly ever happens. Like so many groups get put on indefinite hiatus. They say yeah. we will always be this group, and you know they go off and pursue their own careers. One of them becomes a host. One of them becomes an actor. The other two just become like married. And you just never see them again. But twenty one actually came back, and that's crazy. Yeah, it was just so wholesome. <laughs> yeah, but also, but also, I was so bad because it was like, damn, they had this reunion to a crowd of like the local Coachella crowd, which is yeah, white people, <laughs> and they're just like, huh. <laughs> I mean, it was during the eighty eight rising set, so and eighty eight rising. Yeah, it's notorious for having more like a very strong like Asian American. Notorious? No, not notorious. What the what, what the hell? No, sorry. They have a very they have a reputation. Obviously, having very strong Asian. ATA Rising is like one of the like the pillars of like Asian American culture. Mm. Yeah, they're pretty sick. I only know of eighty eight Rising because of Joji. Joji. Like he's pretty much <laughs> the only reason. Yeah. Did you like him during his like internet YouTube days? <laughs> Oh, I, I I love every bit of his body of work. You know, he's um he's a true <laughs> master. Oh man, no, but you know, I heard something happened with um Joji today. What what happened? So oh yeah, so he was like headlining for the third day. So it's like the Sunday. Yeah, he like performed 
But then he was like not feeling well. It's just like sources coming in and out and all stuff. But the general public's perception was kind of like he was quote unquote like forced to continue to perform. Oh uh, yeah. Even though he wasn't like feeling well and stuff like that. And I think he's been open like in the past that he does have health conditions. Yeah, he's, like he has that. a condition. Yeah, he does. Yeah. yeah, bro, that's messed up, man. You don't do my man Joji like that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I remember before he started, like before he was signed to eighty eight Rising, it was oh, this guy's filthy Frank is crazy. And did you know right, that he yeah. also makes sensitive lo fi music on the side? Yeah, like, it was, it was weird crazy. Thing. Yeah, like you find on SoundCloud, like oh my god, yeah. this is the same guy that like made. Yeah. You're like, he is an enigma. What else does he yeah. have in store? And now he's like a yeah. full-time musician. Yeah. So it's nice like... to see that he's come all this way. Like he can do a set at Coachella in a pretty like prime time slot. But mm. it sucks that it turned out like the way things turned out. Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. But you know, all the best to him. Are there like any artists that, oh no. Yeah, JP said he didn't know any of the artists. only joji he's the only guy joji yes my one true love my one true love is at coachella ravina also there she was in coachella too i think for both of them this was like their first time performing at coachella so i was like yeah love that for them and then also uh, artist which is going to perform for the upcoming week that we're recording but by the time this episode goes up it will be the last weekend Espa, which is sm entertainment's k-pop girl group they're also gonna be going to the coachella festival it was quite like a surprise news that just popped up because they weren't in like in any like official official lineup until literally this week but yes they're also attending also, it wasn't revealed to like literally yesterday that they were attending because they're part of 88 Rising's second week lineup. So SM kind of did like a weird thing where they like marketed it like, oh my God, Espa just alone got invited. But then it was like, oh, actually 88 Rising invited them. But it was not. 88 nice. Rising is like the Trojan horse that like sneaks more Asian acts into Coachella. <laughs> which traditionally has not been, let's say, dominated by Asian acts. Mm-hmm. But I'm really happy to see Epic High here. I think they've performed at Coachella they have before. Performed. Yeah, they have. But it's nice to see them return. Eva Doobie was also there too. Yes, I never can pronounce her name right. Oh, Japanese Breakfast as well. Yeah. I still really nice. want to read them. Slightly Crying at H Mark. Yes, I have the book. I bought it like just recently and I'm like, I need to read it, but I need to be in like a mental <laughs> state of all place to read it because I know people say it's a sob festival. It's very the painful. Again, as far I'm just so curious. <laughs> on their performance future me tell me how was the espa performance and also to you listener let us know what you think about coachella 2022 making its return did you like ada rising just bringing all these like asian acts over to like coachella and just like what do you think about this year's coachella in general let us know of all of your thoughts through asia pop nation on our twitter instagram facebook you know where to find us Hello to everyone who is listening to Asian Foundation right now, right here on Sin. We first played this collaboration track, which may potentially have given us all Coachella FOMO, as we just played this track titled T by the icon Hikaru Utada and Indonesian rapper Warren Hui. We then played this track called Hometown by 12V and Yoon Jue. And lastly, we have a bonus track coming from the deluxe edition of his album, Gentle Bones. We have the Singaporean artist Gentle Bones with his song titled You and I. Now, we did play the first song for a particular reason, as it's not only... Like, it not only fitted the theme of our last Coachella topic, but it also leans in well to our next topic tonight, as... We all know Hikaru Utada is very much linked to this beloved video game series due to their amazing songs coming from the game. Yes, we're talking about Kingdom Hearts because of the recent announcement about a brand new addition to the video game series titled Kingdom Hearts 4. This news will definitely have some fans just super excited, so let's not prolong our conversation tonight of Kingdom Hearts 4. So, has anyone here played Kingdom Hearts? No. 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 Am I literally the only one here that's played Kingdom Hearts? 
Oh my god. Uh, yes. Yes. All right. Yes. Well. All right. Whatever. We'll go with this. Um, Kingdom Hearts. I'm pretty sure a lot of you might have heard of it. It's a series of games, and it's basically about this kid named Sora, and um, through some weird interdimensional hijinks, he ends up interacting with a bunch of different like Disney characters in their different Disney worlds on his big quest to. Uh, I don't know, do something with a blade, with a key or something. Um, it's a really big popular game series if you don't know about it. Um, but the reason I've mentioned it is because during its 20th anniversary event on the 10th of April, Square Enix, the publisher of the Kingdom Hearts games, revealed two new games coming to town. Uh, one of them, <laughs> most notably, Kingdom Hearts 4, uh, a direct continuation of the actual series. So a bit more background info. This game series was created by Tetsuro Nomura back in 2002 in collaboration with, of course, Walt Disney Company and Square Enix, the publishers. And there are now like about 13 games across numerous platforms. And when I say numerous platforms, I mean console and also like mobile and like Game Boy at one point. I don't know why they did that. Um, but yeah, it's a very crazy and strange story. Um, it's so crazy that I don't think it's even worth um, like trying to explain it here. Like, there's no point. It's seriously not worth it. Like, I'm pretty sure. Go on YouTube, find like a 10-hour lore video. Um, you'll figure it out. They'll explain everything to you. Uh, but in terms of this new game, Kingdom Hearts 4, we do have a trailer for the game. And I'm going to do my best to describe what happens in the trailer. It basically opens up with Sora in this strange interesting big expansive city called quadratum except if you look at it for like three seconds you really realize it's just modern day tokyo <laughs> like literally it's just tokyo look at the buildings look at the signage it's it's japan okay modern day japan uh sora our cool anime you know kingdom hearts character is in you know real life but then all of a sudden, ooh, this big monster comes in. It's like, ah, oh, I must fight the monster. And things happen. And there's a lot of spectacle. Very interesting. Um, for people who know of Sora and his design, you may have noticed that his shoes are a little smaller than usual. Um, so lots of controversy surrounding that part of him. Um, but other than that, we don't actually know too much about this game. There were a few film shots of uh, Disney's Goofy and Donald Duck walking through a void and then hearing something spooky behind them. But that's literally it. That's all <laughs> we know. Yeah. Um, are people excited? I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't it's, it's so hard to gauge excitement when... The like because no and Kingdom Hearts like from what <laughs> I hear, Kingdom Hearts is very like again the plot is very just uh, all over the place. So it's like you can't just start. It's with, all like, over the place. Yeah, you can't just be like what I'm gonna be like. Oh yeah, I'm totally gonna start number four right now. <laughs> yeah, with zero context. <laughs> okay, you it's so it's so dumb. Like Kingdom Hearts, you can't if you play Kingdom Hearts one and then two and then three nothing makes sense because there are actually a bunch of other games oh uh, oh my god wait you, you have, have to play to like play. The ones? yeah then like you have to play the mobile game it's like uh -huh. what is this yeah when i was like doing the research for this because hi hello i'm alicia i do the run sheet but oh, yeah. <laughs> like when i had to do research for this i saw like the genres that kingdom hearts is listed at and it's like oh hack and slash oh action role play and then it says rhythm game <laughs> i was like do you have to play the rhythm? Do you have to play the rhythm game to understand so. the integral lore of Sora and Goofy and Gang? <laughs> mm, yeah, it's uh, and <laughs> I don't know. Like, do you know? Have you heard of um the legend about how it actually came about? This whole thing, like, like Kingdom Hearts. No, what's the what's the original uh, story? Uh, apparently, the legend was Tetsuro Nomura. He worked at Square Enix. And I think at one point they shared a building with like Disney Japan or something. And so he got in the elevator and there was another like Disney employee in the elevator. And as they were going up, he's like, hey, dude, wouldn't it be cool if there was like some anime boy who like went on adventures with Donald and Goofy in, in like Disney worlds? <laughs> and then the employee's like, oh, that's a great idea. Uh, 
apparently that's why um so that's basically that's why the story is the way it is um like there's no thought put into any of this there's no thematic structuring there's nothing it's just a bunch of dudes at a meeting table <laughs> and and they're just crazy. yeah and going crazy they're like oh my god we need remy in this universe next oh right yeah you know let's get um the girl from brave in let's mash up yeah you know in the latest one dude in the latest one they had pirates of the caribbean so like oh. johnny depp johnny depp <laughs> was like you know playing around with some anime boy going ah yeah let's go to the the edge of the i don't know there's a big waterfall <laughs> you know like I, it's it sounds fan servicey but not gonna lie it does sound pretty fun but i've just heard how it's, the actual main main plot makes no sense but i no, like the all the main fan plot doesn't make sense yeah it's like <sighs> but the fan service seems so fun <laughs> right no i mean that's like that's why you buy the game for your kids right like they don't care oh, about the story i thought it's like i thought the fan base is mainly like people who like played the first one as their childhood and now everyone's adults i thought that's like the main fan base yeah think, that's that, that's how it's played is, the plot is too it's gone too far i don't think kids can pick it up now <laughs> and actually you know i think kingdom hearts is a game is really hard too i don't think kids oh. these days are smart enough to play <laughs> hey we're, we're youth media organizers. what are you saying about the youth of our generation huh <laughs> no we're we are not good <laughs> um but anyway any final closing thoughts before, <laughs> before we wrap up this kingdom of hearts segment it's just, it's just, it's, it's just you <laughs> if you happen to be one of those rare people that have played kingdom hearts and actually understand the story um please give us an explanation on the twitter facebook and instagram at asian pop nation Welcome to Asian Pop Nation. It's Leisha here, the EP of the show. We were just playing some tracks, first coming from Singaporean female artist Shay with her cute love song about wanting to be like on the back of someone's phone case. Her song is titled Phone Case. We also have a really cool all-female four-piece band from Taiwan called Dislike with their song called Back to 18. And lastly, we have an emotional ballad single from Korean girl group A-Pink called I Want You To Be Happy. This song serves as a little 11-year anniversary gift for all their fans. And wow, honestly, I know I said it earlier at like the beginning of our show, but time just goes by so fast. Like, what the heck? But while we're talking about K-pop girl groups, our APN team wanted to talk about another girl group in particular who actually just got their first music show win after five years of being a group for their new single titled Maison. We actually did play that song last week as well, but we saw some interesting stuff during their promotion of this new song and album that we just wanted to share with you guys as well as just discuss it amongst ourselves. So come join our Dreamcatcher talk right now. Okay, so today the day of recording is the 21st of April. Yesterday, the 20th of April 2022, something historic happened. That's right, the K-pop girl group Dreamcatcher won their first win at Show Champion. Their first win was for their second full-length studio album titled Apocalypse Save Us, which was released on April the 12th. It features the song Maison, the lead single for the album. And this song has a very strong environmental message. The lyrics go, save my home from the jungle, save my home from the polar, protect my Maison, please someone fight for us. Uh, put a pin in that, we'll come back to it later. Anyway, <laughs> for now, I think I'm going to talk a bit about what a first win is for our non-K-pop listeners and explain what the significance of a first win is. So basically, K-pop groups perform on music shows, which run like every week. I think there's like six music shows. At the end of each music show, they decide a winner. And basically, the winner gets presented a trophy. And then they like do an encore stage where they sing the song actually live. The criteria for a music show win is pretty arbitrary. It is usually a combination of physical sales and digital streams and fan voting and also a few weird things like judges score 
scoring and broadcast scoring. First wins are a big deal because it's seen as like a milestone for a group. And if you go on YouTube and you search up K-pop groups first win, they're all crying. It's like a an initiation right in a way, huh? Yeah. I have a list here of how many days it took each K-pop group to earn their first win. And oh. the first group is winner. They earned their first win in four days after debut. That's pretty crazy. I mean, fitting That's for really their name. Group name, yeah. I guess. Good for them. Winner, yeah, yeah. yeah. Winners, man. <laughs> and the longest is 3,628 days. And that is Brave Girls, who uh, originally debuted in 2011, then had a surprise hit. Was it earlier this year or last year? Last year, right? with rolling yes yeah, yeah yeah it was last year yes and so when you look on this list dreamcatcher are the sixth longest group they earned their first win almost 2000 days after debut which is an eternity i don't know if they do it so much with like newer groups anymore but i remember like with older groups first wins were especially a big deal because it would be like oh my god me the idol i finally have access to my own phone now because i've yes. got a first win which sounds crazy if you think about it in like a any sort of like western artist lens that's like what you didn't like have like a phone access like prior to that no it's like their manager kind of does the thing or in like monster case they used to have to use like ipads as their main like what prior to their win this This is some weird ass what am i what is going on (laughs) i don't think they do it as much with the new groups yeah yeah because they know what human rights are wow imagine that (laughs) 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 but that was like back then that was how big first wins are it's like oh my god i actually get Mm -hmm. access to like a freaking yeah. phone and also in some cases they also they do get commercial opportunities and stuff like that but yeah, you summed it up so well like so many times when idols get asked like oh you've just debuted like what is your goal right now the goal is usually i want to get my first, first win, win. Mm-hmm. and like for reference i'm looking at the median length of time that it takes a group to get their first win that would be secret with 457 days so usually it takes just over a year you'd expect on average for a group to get their first win so for it to take five mm. years like Dreamcatchers has is like yeah. insane if it takes longer than like say two years people are like oh this group is never going to get their first win they're just going to never have the popularity it takes to sustain an actual career and fade into obscurity but like first win oh. is sort of seen as assurance that a group will not just disband um, right, next yeah. week essentially I'm curious though, why are we talking about Dreamcatcher? What why is their first one here so important, other than the fact that it took them like five years? It's for a song that's so like wow, so impactful. <laughs> climate change. Climate JP, change. Didn't you not hear Tracy give the perfect rendition of the lyrics? Save my home right. in the jungle. I heard they made an NFT though. <laughs> <laughs> Alas. Alas, here we are. Yikes. <laughs> Yike. Uh, a song and again i don't know if it's the entire album i think tracy you mentioned you listened to a whole album does the whole album yeah, I did. have that environmental no it's just this one song it's just that this, song this main yep. song so in the spirits of their song um the company has signed a deal with an nft company called enter button for some reason and basically they are selling an nft collection uh, for dreamcatcher so each member has an interesting picture drawn of them mm-hmm. and they're i think auctioning them off basically right. to the highest bidder the artwork for these nfts have just come out and the fans are not enjoying it well the fans were hating this nft thing from the beginning but this artwork has come out and they are hating it even more there is no resemblance at all to the actual girls yeah art wise it looks like one of those like cheap murals you see now and then in the city it's like it looks so wrong so yeah why why in the hell did they do that it's so oh, it's so wag with the whole comeback again save mm-hmm. the earth guys and then haha terrible looking and <laughs> yeah which to be fair, no nft looks good in my opinion none of them look good they're just painted i barely even understand what this whole crypto nft business thing is dude like i i take like i use snipping tool when i see like a picture i like and then i put it in word and then i print you know control p i print it out man that's like that's what i do i'm a pirate r the crypto authorities are hunting me down and 
this new NFT of theirs, like this dream catcher people, I will steal it too. It will make my bounty higher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you catch me, you get paid in a million dog coins. Oh my god. <laughs> all true. I'm a yeah, once please, criminal. Please, please. The yeah, Crypto Bros don't be. hunt us APN. No, but don't. also don't ask us to make APN <laughs> to NFT. Make an NFT. <laughs> you want a Xenia NFT? A Xenia <laughs> NFT? It's just a- <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Oh my god, knowing that this NFT thing has happened, do you think um, this cream catcher group will survive? They will, because the way fans are taking it is that it is entirely the company's fault. And I uh-huh. think in this case, they're probably not far off. I mean, one of the members of the board of this crypto company is a former member of the boy group SS501. And mm. I imagine that's where the connection comes from. Because otherwise, I can't imagine why anyone would think, okay, K-pop girl group, NFT, like, it doesn't make sense to me, yeah. But I suppose, you know, K-pop fans have this history of collecting photo cards. Yeah. So they're not exactly known for being environmentally responsible anyway. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Have you seen photo card polls? Like, if you go to K-pop concerts and you show up, like, way earlier than the time that the concert starts, it's a photo card switching, swapping, selling hub central. Really? The K-pop photo card industry is nuts. Yeah, K-pop fans really like to bulk buy things and like K-pop albums are really lavishly packaged with lots mm-hmm. of paper and inserts mm-hmm. and plastic. So like fans will buy like hundreds of copies, group orders um, to get their hands on like as many photo cards as they can. Um, so there's like this sort of little sub-economy of like photo cards which you get by like spending a bunch of money and a bunch of lavishly packaged albums that you don't need jp have you seen a photo card when we talk about photo cards what are you thinking when we mention i'm thinking cards? of a card with a photo printed yeah, on Polaroids. it yeah you're pretty much it pretty much it but it's uh, just like yeah. the face of like if it's a group it'll be like a random one of the member, members yeah the uh-huh, uh-huh. and they're like oh yeah it is pretty much like a pokemon trading card thing almost if My you think God. about it yeah so all in all, it's incredibly ironic for any group to have a like save our earth, save our environment message, mm-hmm. considering how late stage capitalism the whole industry is. Yeah, but hey, congrats, Dreamcatcher. But yeah, win. congrats, Dreamcatcher. You know, as the Pentagon stand, I understand that not having a first win is like having an albatross around your neck. Like it constantly haunts your group at every opportunity. <laughs> yeah, it, it like single handedly like fuels all the angst. Of yeah, the fandom yeah, for like yeah. years and years and years. Yeah, so and it's like, really nice. And literally, to have every, that weight feel yeah. back. And like every time they have a comeback and they do like a comeback show or they do like an interview, they're always like, it'll be nice if we get a first win with this one this time. And the fans are like, <laughs> they're like sobbing. They're like, we're trying. This is the sixth comeback. We're trying. It's wild stuff. Yeah. And hopefully it won't be the last win they ever get. That is true. Greencatcher um, so, are a great group. Um, they're really, really, really talented. Talented. I wish that their company wouldn't sell their likenesses to NFT companies, but they are good girls and listen to Because, which is my favorite Dreamcatcher song. Um, this has been Asian Pop Nation. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, hello everyone. This is Asian Pop Nation, the ultimate stop here on Sin for all the latest Asian music and pop culture news. We were just playing two song requests from our listener Matthew. First coming from Japanese girl group Zenith Code, we have the song called Bright. And secondly, we played the song titled Fragile from another Japanese artist called Lionette Girl. We then played this new single that I am personally quite obsessed with from Indian artist Pratik Kuhan called Favorite Peeps. Now, our next topic tonight is especially crucial for our Melbourne-based audience listening right now. And I mean it when I say crucial because I lied. It's not the most crucial thing in the world, but this particular event coming to Melbourne is something we at APN really want to highlight more and, I don't know, just show some love and support for. Plus, Who doesn't want to enjoy some good food, good vibes, and have some fun by the river? And this news will especially be great for anyone who is looking for some festivals to attend in May. So get your notebook, calendar, phones, 
etc. I don't know. Get them all ready as we give you all the details of the South Asian festival happening next month in Melbourne. So uh, remember what I said earlier, way back in the segment when we we're talking about Coachella and how in Melbourne, like the weather's cooling down, so we don't really get like big, big festivals are coming up. Well, I actually lied because the best festival is coming up soon in Melbourne, actually on the seventh of May. So here's all for once for our local Melbourne listeners out there, as the South Asian Festival is going to be happening. Whoa! This is in the CBD for our listeners. Mm-hmm. It's going to be in the CBD on the seventh of May from eleven a.m. till ten p.m. All day event. It's free. It's in Melbourne. This South Asian Festival it's going to be taking place in a place called Birarong Mar. So that's in Melbourne. CBD. Is that yeah, how you, you say, say it? like that, Birarung. Yeah, Birarung. I think so. I don't know. I'm just <laughs> I'm taking gonna, guesses. I'm not even going to try to attempt that. But thank you, JP, for right. being my no honorary Australian. <laughs> yeah, feel free to call me anytime. You know, I'm like, hello, know. Australian. I need, <laughs> I need pronunciation. Yeah, my hotline. Also, as a fun fact, it's the traditional name for the Yarra River. Oh, oh, damn. Yes. So, yeah, it's at the Yarra River. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, you get to see the nice Yarra River there. Oh. But yeah, as I mentioned, it is a free all day community event. And it's all about celebrating the new year, which is existing in various South Asian countries. And of course, it's going to have heaps of lineups of stage performances. We got traditional dances. We got songs. We got dance, even poetry. Apparently, there's even a DJ at one point. Lots of stuff. And especially if you guys like South Asian music or you really want to get into more would highly, highly recommend to go because even us in APN, we want to get more into South Asian music. Um, if not all of us, because I'm speaking for all of us, at least me, <laughs> I want to get into way more because uh, my ancestors, they're they are shaking their head. At they me are right watching now. over you right They're now. watching over wow. me. But of course, like any festival, especially ones which are the Asian oriented festivals, one of the best parts is always the food selection that's going to be mm. there. And there's going to be a lot of popular food trucks and like restaurants that are all going to be like having like their pop-up stalls there. And um, I don't know if you guys know, I used to have a big like MasterChef Australia phase even before I like came to Australia. I liked watching MasterChef Australia. Really? And so, yeah. So with this one, if any of you listeners out there are MasterChef Australia fans, with this festival, apparently we're going to have MasterChef Australia's 2018 winner, Sashi. He's going to be there. And I'm just saying he was one of my favorites, not just because he's from Singapore and Malaysia's just right next to Singapore. So. Uh-huh. So, um, and of course, there's going to be 2021's finalist, Kishwar is also, she's also going to be there. And her in particular, she's going to be showcasing some of her signature South Asian dishes at the event itself. I think you can like um, book prior and all that stuff because it's for sure going to be packed and, and stuff like that. So, so the festival is, of course, going to feature a lot of different stalls ranging from boutique clothing to jewelry books and, of course, so much more. And they're going to have like a ceremonial rally. There's going to be face painting. I hope there's henna at one point because I do love good old henna. And apparently Carnival writes as well. And I guess if you're, if you're a very big cricket fan, cops are, um, I know, are, are any of us cricket fans here? I know Australia is very big on cricket and India is also very big on cricket. I think, aren't yeah, they, yeah. Aren't they the two like top teams in the world? and Pakistan. Oh, they're very big. Oh. <laughs> yeah mm. so i guess and if you're very into cricket apparently there's a photo op <laughs> photo op with the icc men's t20 world cup trophy so wow oh. that's there what a moment Damn, I, I don't i don't even watch cricket but i might go just for that <laughs> to take a picture of the trophy yeah yeah it's like golden and shiny oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah y'all y'all hype yeah <laughs> That's pretty cool. Leisha, is there anything you're looking forward to in particular for this festival? Or like anything you're hoping to see there if you go? Oh, if I do go, what do Mm. I hope to see? I mean, I mentioned a little bit. I hope there's like, I know they mentioned there's like face painting, but I also really wanted to Mm -hmm. be like a henna. I hope they do like henna sessions and stuff. And because I've not got like any henna done since like since i haven't been back in malaysia which is what like two years plus so right, yeah. i would love to get one done. i just mm. i miss it it looks so beautiful if you don't know what henna is google it <laughs> yeah it's the coolest thing ever i remember there there were a lot of girls um 
in my primary school that did henna a lot too so like now and then i see them you know just like these cool patterns in their hands like well that's so sick it's so sick yeah it's like it's it's like a temporary uh temporary tattoo it's the designs are so intricate Mm, so pretty i love them so much but yeah i hope there's gonna be that and of course can't be an Asian festival without mentioning that I am especially excited for the food and being able to yeah. just eat there with like the river on the side. Oh, it's just the land yeah. so good. And just I think the vibes are just going to be really yeah. great and fun, especially, you know, festival time. I think with the weather like cooling down a bit, everyone's getting a bit more like, I don't know, the energy levels are a bit low, but hopefully this festival mm-hmm. kind of brings, bring, brings it back up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's on the 7th of May? Yeah. Yes, yeah. 7th of May, 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. So again, guys, any of our local Melbourne listeners, mark it on your calendar. And yeah, who knows? Maybe you'll see one of us there. Maybe JP as he's standing next to the damn cricket trophy. (laughs) Yes, I will be there. For the trophy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, catch be, me there. And I'll be there trying to get an autograph of Sashi because I'm a MasterChef nerd and I love that man so much. And he is in the current new season of MasterChef Australia. I don't even know if any of you guys will watch that, but he's in the current season and I'm so <laughs> But yeah, again, I'm going to say for like the 20 million time because, you know, good to just remember dates. 7 of May at the JP bringing you again. The name, go. <laughs> Uh, I forgot. Yerongmar. <laughs> yeah, JP, your job is revoked. It's Xenia now. Okay. My my Australian pick of the day. To... The other Filipino. <laughs> other Australian <laughs> Filipino for me to just drag in. But yes, it will be there in Melbourne. Mark on your calendars. Yeah. <laughs> this is Asian Pop Nation. This is Leisha. Wait, <laughs> wait. No, it's Alicia here. Clearly the least confusing EP of all time. Anyways, we had a lovely trio of Korean tracks all in varying genres. First coming from Big Naughty featuring 10 centimeters, we have the song titled Beyond Love. We then played a new track from Hatzfeld titled Fine with an exclamation mark. And lastly, we have a hip hop track from Roy Yunhan and Cherry Boy 17 featuring Unofficial Boy and Little Tachi with the song titled Oo which has quite strong lyrics depicting being cold and poor. Moving along, however, we're going to be discussing about this interesting invention, and I say interesting because typically technology plus food kind of feels like a hit or miss sometimes, especially when electricity and human consumption get involved, but... Apparently, these scientists or researchers actually in Japan are taking this risk when it comes to this invention of electric chopsticks that can enhance the taste of saltiness. Curious to hear what this is all about? Well, come join the APN team as we discuss through this interesting invention right now. Listen, everyone. Science is happening, especially in Japan. There's a lot of science. And apparently, this new science thing has come out of Japan and it's called electric chopsticks. <laughs> so, in short, uh, yeah, it's great, isn't it, Tracy? But in short, some Japanese researchers from uh, Meiji University and the Yoshinori Miyashita Laboratory of the, I don't know what the department's called, the Department of Advanced Media Science, they recently teamed up with a Japanese beverage company called Kirin Holdings to develop an electric chopstick that artificially enhances the taste of saltiness. So like you put it in your mouth and like it tastes salty and they're hoping to commercialize this in like the next, like early next year, I believe. So basically how it works, it's this pair of electric chopsticks and they're wired up to this little computer um, that you wear in your wristband. And basically what happens when you put the chopsticks into your mouth, it transmits like sodium ions from the food through the chopsticks and into your mouth where it creates like this sense of saltiness. And uh, according to them, it enhances the saltiness by about 1.5 times. Really, the main reason they made these chopsticks was mostly for health benefits, like especially with how salty a lot of our foods are getting. And, you know, they want people to be eating less salt. Um, But, you know, food without salt 
tastes like crap so this is like their workaround right now you know like put less salt in the food but in order to compensate you know add the saltiness in terms of flavor uh apparently this sort of technology isn't new um earlier i forgot how long ago it was but there was another scientist who made an actual it's gonna sound so perverse when i say it but it's he made a lickable tv screen so you could get like a picture of food or something and depending on how it's programmed you can lick the screen and taste the food that's on screen you know i don't know how they did that um, but yeah i don't know would you guys buy this <laughs> not the screen the chopsticks <laughs> i was gonna say like the screen one kind of terrifies me a bit i don't know yeah it's a little weird yeah it's, it's a bit on the bit on like savory version of willy wonka's inventions you know i yeah, kind of in a weird yeah. uncanny valley i don't i don't like it but the chopsticks i can like see where they're going at i guess i mean the picture so i showed the picture to the team like off air way back and it's literally the promo photo they had of it was a, like they put the chopsticks into miso soup which i don't know if that's the most oh yeah that's a little strange <laughs> like yeah. that's the most um way you would want to use chopsticks for miso soup but i don't know maybe we're the uncultured ones maybe <laughs> maybe yeah. but it's like i can see the vision and like jp you said like yeah a lot of food does contain a lot of salt and you know yeah. trying to lower it's the not good sodium. for your health to be having so much salt you know yeah and as dreamcatcher said in our early segment the world <laughs> is so <laughs> the world is slowly going into chaos and i would like my body to be <laughs> to be nice and healthy before the world just yeah. collapses so you know i the chopsticks seem harmless i don't mind it mm -hmm. a, li a yeah. little electricity current <laughs> in your soup never hurt anyone you know no never if anything you should add a little a little zazz in the taste, you know like pizzazz like you know oh wow <laughs> was that pizzazz, like what an a, explosion yeah, yeah yeah wow an explosion of taste in my mouth i wonder i wonder how that happened with all this electricity xenia <laughs> <laughs> what do you buy <laughs> Um, if my doctor said that I'm going to have severe health problems if I don't reduce my salt intake, then yeah. But yeah. I don't use chopsticks that often. So if they uh -huh. eventually change it to like spoons. Right. <laughs> Wait, doesn't a lot so, of like instant noodles have a lot of like sodium and stuff like that? Yes, yes, they do. Yeah, I don't I eat many instant noodles anymore because then he has a healthy Health individual oh, oh no there's yeah. a lot of salt in filipino food man uh, it's just like deep fry things in salt actually yeah filipinos <laughs> are inherently <laughs> screwed we're inherently <gasps> screwed like our food is so unhealthy i swear yeah, <laughs> there's so much it's salt fatty, yeah. it's salty yeah. yeah so our lifespans are a little shorter it's but anyway <laughs> if i <laughs> but uh, we live good lives we taste good food that's all that matters. Exactly. We do, yeah, yeah. Filipino, they they party hard. Yeah. yeah Who cares about health, hard. man? It's just yeah. good food, good vibes. <laughs> Actually, you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking if they develop this technology far enough for the chopsticks, do you think it come to a point where you could just like stick the chopstick in your mouth and then like set a taste or something? Oh, I want to taste sushi. And then you click, and it's like, oh, it tastes like sushi. It's almost like I just ate sushi, and you don't have to eat anymore because it's just the flavors there. I think that would be a good like dieting hack maybe yeah, yeah. Maybe. actually you know it would i think it would just make me one it would make me more hungry and two it would make me really angry yeah it's like but i don't think diets are meant to make you happy man no maybe no. not but also wait don't you guys like textures of food aren't you particular with like texture don't you want to like the yeah, textures true. are important texture yeah, is so true. important if we had like again if the if technology went so far where we had something like that like what jp mentioned mm -hmm. but I, I want i want the texture you know if you're eating like what like a nice crunchy like chicken and stuff like that it's like mm. oh the texture of course i don't want yeah, to just there, like... there's there's so much in the experience of eating it's like it's not just the taste like like you said it's also the texture but then also like the sound as well like with the chicken if it's crispy fried chicken like <laughs> you know that sound <laughs> and then like the smell too like actually like if you can't smell it then like that's 50% of like the tasting 
experience gone、mm-hmm. you know like the smell the aroma is actually really important for how you experience food so like i think if it comes to a point where they develop technology where it compensates for all those things you may as well just eat normal food <laughs> <laughs> you know um but yeah that's some that's the science that we have for today's segment if you dear listener Have any interesting thoughts or any interesting science projects you have in mind in terms of、uh, the field of gastronomy? Let us know on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Asian Pop Nation. Our investors are listening and they are monitoring all of our feeds. So you know, if you got an idea, you may as well throw it out. You know. Hey! Thanks for taking the time to tune into Asian Palm Nation right now. My name is Lisha, the EP of the show, and we were just playing some new tracks coming from Rakeshi featuring Ah、uh, Tagi Rentaro titled Tabun Maybe Meji. We also played a new single from Malaysian male singer NYK with his R&B track titled Heaven. And finally, we have Taiwanese artist Yilin Lee with the song titled Lele. That song in particular, I could really see be played at like a nice cafe. It's just, it's just so good. And maybe even this cafe that we're gonna be talking about right now should add this song to their cafe playlist. I don't know. You can thank APN in the future, but yes, we're gonna be talking about this cafe which just opened in Tokyo, Japan, and has already been getting a lot of buzz online for having quite an interesting premise. As it is created as a writing cafe, now there's a lot of specific rules and stuff around there that make this cafe unique from all the other cafes around. And I mean, we know because we literally live in like the cafe capital, aka Melbourne. So let APND unofficial cafe experts tell you all about this Japanese writing cafe. How many of us here are procrastinating on assignments that are coming up? Oh, me, 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 me.、Oh, yeah, me, me. I'm procrastinating right now. It's worth it. Well,、yeah. it's glad that I'm glad that you're here, Alicia, and not writing your essay or report <laughs> or whatever it is that you need to be doing. I think I have the thing just for you because in Japan they have introduced this new manuscript writing cafe. So for anyone out there who might be procrastinating as well or is facing a writer's block, this cafe that is opened up in Koenji. In Tokyo, maybe your new spot for productivity. So the cafe, as the name mentions, is like a place for customers who are writing manuscripts or essays. It could be anything though, like preparing a manga storyboard, screenplay writing, translations, editing, copywriting. And essentially, what the cafe staff is are there to do is just to keep you accountable for what you're writing and telling you, or checking up on you,、um, te- checking up on you every hour,、um, giving the customer a bit of. I don't know encouragement. Yeah, push, you know, yeah, exactly.、Um, and so you're given like this card at the start of your time there, which is what your goal is and how long you plan to stay. And you cannot leave until you reach your goal.、Um, really? But there are, you know, some amenities like coffee and tea that you can、uh, service yourself.、Um, internet. They have laptop coolers, which I think would be handy. But essentially, think of it as like a library, but not. <laughs> I'm not sure if anyone finds this more relaxing、uh, when the cafe staff come up to you and say, you know, how are you going? But you can actually choose the degree of like progress checks you get, so you can go from mild to hard. I don't know what a hard entails. <laughs> what a mild. I think, actually, no. I I read I read through the article a little bit, Zenia. I think so. Mild. When when you're on mild difficulty, they don't check on you as much, right? Like you just you walk into the counter, you say, "This is my goal." They'll be like, "Okay, that's your goal," and then they only check on you again say, once say you come out. Voice, yeah, 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 yeah. You know,、um, I think the normal one was more like they they check on you. I think like once every hour, like an hourly rate. They just come over and go, "Hey, how are you going?" And then like the hard mode is like a lot more. You know, just like, "Hey." What are you I think doing, I would、man? find that annoying if every thirty minutes someone comes up to me. It's like, how are you going? Like, yeah, 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 I'm fine. Go away. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know? I, no. For some people, I think I need that because I procrastinate a lot. You know, like I will be working on something for five minutes, and then all of a sudden my phone goes ding. Whoa, there's a cool looking. <laughs> you think I need confiscation there? Surely. Yeah. Oh man. Surely. For sure. Oh, I saw. I would, yeah. I read like another article, and then it said like in that one, it went into more detail, and it was like you can actually ask them to take your phone. Whoa! Away、really? from them. If you're yeah, if you're really hardcore, like I need this done,、Damn. take this phone away from my hands. Yeah. Yes, you can ask them to like take it away for you as well. Which damn, I do need that because I too am a bro procrastinator. 
Dude, this generation is so screwed. We just procrastinate <laughs> all the time. Like that's that is our defining characteristic. <laughs> Man, what do? But also, like, I get what Zenia means because it's about how like it's kind of annoying if they like keep if like say you sign up for like I don't know like the normal the hard progress check. Because sometimes don't at least for me sometimes when I'm doing like an assessment or something like that sometimes you get into like a zone when you're really yeah, like yeah. you're like re- you hit the zone and you're really going at and then the moment someone else shows up. The zone's gone. I'm, I'm just like, oh. yeah, it's just like, bing, gone. Gone. Yeah. And then I'm like, if, if I'm, I'm sorry to the cafe manager or like the staff member in this Tokyo cafe that will come up to me if I'm like in, a, in that zone and they just show up, they're like, how's your work going? I'll be like, my, you just my lash focus, out at them. My focus, yeah. my energy is all gone. And then I just start crying or something. <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, do you feel like you would use the service? Like, how do they get paid? Do you need to pay them to? <laughs> Probably. Like, yeah, like there must be a fee of some sort. Yeah. Yeah. They get paid in half hour blocks. So, like, you pay depending on how long you spend at the cafe. Oh, I see. That's another motivation, I suppose. The yeah. longer yeah. you spend, the more you have to pay. Yeah, yeah. the more. And then, plus, it's like you can't leave until you finish what you're supposed yeah. to do. Or, or Actually, just... you know, I, I, I read an account that some dudes stay in the cafe until like 4 30 a.m. Yeah, Did they like check, like, say you're going to write 2,000 word essay. Do they, like, uh-huh. okay, let me check that you've actually done it? <laughs> Wow, I don't know. I and mean, do they force you to stay if you have it? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, they're like, hmm, I see you're missing two more characters. Sit right oh. back down on that table. <laughs> you're like, this oh is not good God. enough. <laughs> or they're just like, oh, great, you wrote a two-page paper, but it kind of looks garbage, so go back to it. Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, again, that's why you get to choose the difficulty. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which, which, super hard difficulty. The employees come over and trash your writing right, to motivate yeah. you to write better. <laughs> Yeah, they hire Gordon Ramsay to come in. It's like <laughs> speaks in broken Japanese. He's like yelling at you. Yeah. You know? He'll say something like that. <laughs> okay, you know what? I think we need to establish that here when you start up uh manuscript writing i feel like i feel like it might actually work especially if you set it up near a university yeah yeah, yeah for yeah, sure it could work yeah. yeah i mean do, does anyone have like resources that they would recommend since we don't have a manuscript writing cafe here oh. technically like what can people do if they're procrastinating and want to stop track of time stop oh, watching actually, stop listening to our show and do your work <laughs> yeah, no have a show that. in the background we'll motivate you in the background we should yeah, have like yeah, a show yeah. as like just words of encouragement and then each time we <laughs> have like a talking break it's like great job everyone keep up the work doing so yeah. well oh actually um an actual legitimate um time management tool though is uh you should search up this thing called the pomodoro timer uh, uh, yes yes yeah, it's little- um Instead yes, of having someone little... tell you it's just like an alarm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I, yeah. Like, I bought an egg timer that I personally use just for this. Oh, thing. oh my god! Yeah. Oh wow! It's um, yeah. So the Pomodoro timer, it's a timing scheme where if you've got like a big project to work on, it's like okay, I got like a few hours in a day to work on this. How do I manage it? So what do you do? Um, you set the timer to about twenty-five minutes. That's your working time. Yeah, and so you just work during that time. But then after twenty-five minutes, you take a five-minute break. Yeah. So it's just like, it's basically a periodic thing. And after the five minute break, you do another 25 minutes. Yeah. So each 25 minutes is called a Pomodoro. And after you've done a certain amount of Pomodoros, you can take like a longer break. Then after that, you go back to the normal thing. It's like, it's a really good way to segment, I guess, mm. your, your, yeah, your working flow without like burning out. Yeah. Yeah. Do and it. I think, I think on, there's like online ones where you can change the time. If you feel like, oh, for this work, I need more than just a specific time. Right. Yeah. You can do that. You can do that. Do that. Mm. And also, I saw some like video of somebody on YouTube <laughs> doing like an anime Pomodoro. So anime the what? During the breaks, I'll, I'll find it and I'll, send, I'll put it on like the chat for us. But it was like, wow. I, it was like this guy, I think during the break was when he would watch like anime. And he was like, this is the most effective way of like, really? as an anime fan, <laughs> watch like, anime oh and God. study <laughs> you know that's not a bad idea you know i feel like only... you wouldn't be able to limit yourself to five minutes of anime you'd be like yeah i guess two more minutes and then before you know you watch two hours i've tried more. that yeah i've tried yeah. like watching really? something in that five minute break and uh it ends up like you know what yeah. i've got 30 minutes of work i deserve that hour break mm. yeah yeah or you know cram <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Don't don't grab. Don't pull all nighters. They screw up your sleep schedule. Yeah, they do. Yeah, don't do it, kids. Don't do it, kids. Even though I'm still doing it. Don't don't listen to me. Don't do it. (laughs) 
I mean, yeah. Woo. If you have any good encouraging procrastination avoidance techniques, you can always let us know. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, the Asian Pop Nation. But yeah, maybe we'll we'll do that in the future. I feel like this is going to be a staple intro when we come to the end of our show. But anyways, greetings to everyone who is listening to us right now, right here on Asian Pop Nation, whether live on air or on our podcast. My name is Leisha, the executive producer of APN, and we just played a collection of new tracks, first coming from Singaporean female artist Jasmine Soko called Modern Day Titanic. We also played an alternative pop track from Korean American singer Spill Tab, which is called Sunburn. And the final song you just heard comes from a three-person-led band from Thailand called Safe Planet with their latest track called Melatonin. We have come to the end of our last show for April, the month when the sun just starts to set faster and the weather starts cooling down, but our show remains the same in terms of being the staple spot for all things Asian music and more, as we not only played a fantastic selection of songs tonight, but also our team had some great discussions ranging from the Coachella Music Festival making its grand return to another festival closer to home with the South Asian Festival happening in Melbourne. We also talked through a lot of other topics like the Korean GoGo Dreamcatcher, as well as the return of the Kingdom Hearts video game series, as well as some interesting new creations from Japan, from electric chopsticks to enhance saltiness, to a new writing cafe made for all the procrastinators out there, aka me, myself, and I. <laughs> Of course, thank you so much for joining myself, but also our team tonight of Xenia, Tracy, and JP. And before we formally end our show, we still have plenty of time for more continuous Asian music because, you know, we at APN care for you. <laughs> the cheesiness, wow. Anyways, but next we're going to be playing a song titled I Care from Japanese band Homecomings. Remember, you can always tune into Asian Pop Nation every Tuesday from APN onwards right here on SIN. And for bonus content, you can always follow us at Asian Pop Nation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and listen to our Asian Pop Nation podcast available anywhere and everywhere you stream your podcasts. Good night, everyone.